0: state your team your show this is sports nightly snap down the kick is up and
1: the kick is good Here's
0: Lane. huskers win it 13 to 10 they beat northwestern and go to four and two now let's check the pulse of husker nation with your hosts greg sharp and ben mclaughlin I'm actually ready for some updated highlights that are open. I guess we still have a few weeks to wait, right, for those to happen. Are you ready to uh, to provide them? Yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> I'm also ready to talk to the head coach. We're going to do that here in a few minutes. How about that for, for a little show opener? Not bad. Not yeah. bad to kick off a Thursday.
2: It's Thursday, Not, right? Yeah, it's Thursday. My yep. days are all jacked up.
0: We've not heard from the head coach since August the 10th. It's the last time he talked. So looking forward to having him on board here in a couple of minutes. Welcome to our Thursday night show. We're glad that you have stopped on by here. Late September. Hot times. It's been hot out there. We've got some high school football games around the state tonight. Plenty tomorrow night. Uh, they may still be taking water breaks tomorrow night. Temperatures maybe in the 90s parts of the state tomorrow. So uh, Crazy. We'll take it, though, because we know what's coming. We got we got cold stuff coming at some point in time. It always does. Um, well, Josh had this in the open. I think that the biggest story of the day, Ben, was the announcement out of Kansas City that former Husker star Lincoln Southeast product Alex Gordon retiring after 14 years, three-time All-Star, seven-time Gold Glover, and a World Series ring. Without a doubt, the most decorated Husker baseball player of all time stepping away from the sport.
2: Yeah, so many emotions today, you know, for us being Royals fans, and even if you're not a Royals fan, just a Husker fan, um, you know, Alex has provided us with so many great moments, uh, not just in Husker baseball history, but, you know, in in his major league career as well. Um, Just a consummate pro, I think, to a man, everybody that's been teammates with him will say the same thing about him, Um, and... Just his work ethic, what he meant, how he played the game, how he respected the game. Um, I think the one thing that's that's making this day easier, Greg, is we, we knew it, this was coming soon. I mean, Alex wasn't going to play much more in in the bigs just with, you know, his body's been dealing with some injuries and, and just his age. You know, it's it's just about that time. So I think we probably expected it this year maybe next year some probably even thought even last year but you know for me it just brings up so many emotions because you know since he was a true freshman in lincoln his journey has been something that we followed so closely and it's it's sad and it's sad for a lot of reasons i think you know for a lot of the things that i've already said you know that it, it's it's the end of an era but it's also the end of an era, because as a Royals fan, you think about those 2014, 2015 teams, and other than Salvador Perez, there's not much left that, that made those teams up. Gordon was kind of the last big one um, that was a part of that little run that we had you know, five, five, six years ago. And, and that's those memories, to me, you know, after thinking about it today, are becoming further and further in the rearview mirror. And it doesn't seem like that long ago that, you know, we were celebrating the Royals World Series championship in in 15 and, uh, you know, being a part of of that. And now with Gordon signing off and, you know, there's just not much left of those Royals teams that we got to watch for so long. So that's another avenue today that just kind of hit me.
0: You know, most people will remember Alex for – all the outfield assists for the home run against Familia in the bottom of the ninth, of game one of the 15 World Series. But, but when I think of him, I think of a guy who kind of had to remake himself a little bit. High draft choice, wasn't really going very well. He was struggling at the big league level. Um, so much so that the Royals sent him back to Omaha. He got demoted. He got sent back to AAA, and that will crush a lot of people. And they'll just shrug their shoulders and go, I guess I'm not good enough. I'm just a 3A player. I'm not good enough for the big leagues. And he went down and he remade himself into an outfielder, maybe maybe one of the best left fielders of all time in baseball with those seven gold gloves. And he became a fixture in their lineup. And the work ethic that he had, and, and Husker Husker Nation knows that. They saw that when he played here at Nebraska at Haymarket Park, how much he would work. And, and the stories are legendary that even on the draft day, he wouldn't take a phone call as he was out getting his workout in. And he had his brother relaying the signs about what what pick did he go to and what pick did he go in the, in the draft. So when I think of him, I think of a guy who had got there, failed, and then came back up and succeeded at a really high level. That, that is an amazing tribute to him to have the fortitude to do that.
2: Yeah, and as you said, you know, to get drafted as a third baseman and then go try and make it as an outfielder, um, I remember that pretty vividly when he got sent to Omaha, sent back to Omaha. It, a lot of people thought that was the end for his career and, and didn't think that he would ever kind of rebound and being labeled as a bust, and uh, that, that was that was a lot. But I think the thing that I'm going to remember most about Alex Gordon as, the pl- as a player is, is you think about how many really talented players there are at the big league level that never maximize their potential, never never get the most out of it for one reason or another, caught up in, in the stardom, you know, um, you know, obsessed with the limelight, doing interviews, the endorsements, this, just all the distractions that come with being a a professional athlete. You know, Alex Alex was never never the the five tool player that was going to be a surefire hall of famer that was going to be a surefire all-star you know he he was never that obviously the tools and the gifts and the skills were there for for him to be drafted at the next level as high as he did but you think about some of those other guys in in the in the big leagues Greg that are drafted in the first round or even in the top five ten picks they've they've got those skills and they've got those tools. You think of guys like Bryce Harper, right, when he was a prospect, Mike Trout when he was a prospect. And, you know, I think you could look at those two even and, and just the differences of, of how they've handled their careers. Bryce has been in the limelight. He's had the endorsements. He's done the commercials. He's kind of got that pretty boy mantra. There's clear distraction going on with Bryce Harper. Mike Trout has handled it a bit differently, kind of puts his head down and work. That's how I see Alex. Alex has never had the same tools as a Mike Trout or a Bryce Harper, but one thing that I can say for sure is Alex works so hard to get every ounce of baseball ability that's in his physical being that he could provide out there on the field, and there's not very many athletes that can do that, that devote their time, their energy, their life to making sure that they get every ounce of ability out of their physical bodies that they can get. You think about how much talent can be wasted and has been wasted at the college and professional level for for players and, and who aren't willing to give what Alex gave. Players that had more of those physical tools, that had a lot higher ceilings than guys like Alex Gordon, but never reached that level or even close to that level because they weren't willing to put in the work and put a put everything else aside to put their head down and do that. And that's what I'm going to remember Alex Gordon for, because I don't think there was much more that Alex Gordon could have got out of himself than what we saw at a major league level. I mean, he transformed himself as a defender into, as you said, one of the best defensive left fielders maybe we've ever seen. And you wouldn't have been able to say that. You You didn't have that coming out of one of his tools being drafted out of Nebraska. He developed that on his own through hard work. And and that's something that I'm so appreciative of as a Nebraska fan, as a Royals fan, as a baseball fan, you wish you could see that out of more guys because the game would be a lot better for it. You would see a lot better product on the field if if more players were willing to devote devote the whole life and in, and in, in off season and every minute that they had
0: to becoming better, like Alex Gordon did. And and that's that to me is what I'm gonna remember. Well said, and it reminds you of another guy you and I have spent a lot of time around the last seven or eight years who also made it to the big leagues and did pretty well as well. My one really regret for Alex and all this, and he doesn't care, but is that he's walking out with no fans there to show back to him what he meant to Kansas City and the Royals and that World Series banner that's flying in their left center field flagpoles. Um, and, And everybody on those 14 and 15 teams will tell you, They learned how to properly prepare to play baseball from Alex Gordon, whether it's Moustakas, Hosmer, Salvi, Lokane, all those guys. And the the tributes from them today have come pouring in as they tip their cap to Alex Gordon. It's just too bad there are no fans at Kauffman Stadium to finish this season out to kind of show them the Royals are saying they're going to bring him back at a later time when he's not in uniform anymore. But just to not have him be able to maybe trot off the field one more time in front of an applause – that that hurts me it doesn't again he probably didn't care but it hurts I I wish he had that well he and he, he he would tell us that he
2: doesn't care but we've seen some emotional departures from from franchise players in recent years that that I never really had an affinity towards other than just like watching them play and and becoming emotional just from watching what they meant To the game of baseball felix hernandez you know watching Mm -hmm. him come off and what he meant to seattle and Derek jeter and watching you know what what he meant mariano rivera when he came off as a yankee you know alex gordon is in the same breath as these players and what they what he meant to the franchise that he was a part of for so many years in this case kansas city and you know it was emotional watching him talk with the media today at, at you know at his press conference but I think to me it, it would have been t- it would have been so hard watching him come off the field one last time at the K and you know to uh, to to the fans and and, and their appreciation. It, to me, I think it. We've seen so many of these in recent years that the players can't help but become emotional. And Alex was emotional today, but I do feel like he was robbed of that as a player, mm-hmm. which which just it sucks because you know how appreciative all those fans are of Gordo and everything he did for Royals baseball and to not have that one final run in from left field into that first base dugout with everybody on their feet and you know well probably would have been close to a sold out crowd
0: just to see him play one more time is is really really tragic there will be a statue of Alex Gordon mark my word somewhere around Kaufman Stadium down the road they will have erect a statue of Alex Gordon after his 14-year career in Kansas City well he's Retiring from professional sports, Purdue got one back today. The other big news of the day is Rondale Moore, their outstanding wide receiver, their All-American from two years ago who was injured last year, who opted out in August when the Big Ten was saying they weren't going to play. He announced today he's coming back. And, boy, what a big get for the Boilermakers here a month out to go along with, with Bell, the outstanding wide receiver from a year ago that kind of picked up the slack when he got hurt uh the it's it's clear cut with him where it really wasn't with Rashad Bateman and still hasn't been cleared up with Bateman in Minnesota as Rondale Ben had not signed with an agent how big a get is this for Purdue to get more back on the field I mean it's huge he's their best player and it's I'm a little surprised on this
2: one to be honest with you I it and it was clear from year one it was clear from hearing him talk at media days before year two and it's clear now how all all in he is with Purdue University and there aren't very many players that have come through with that skill level that have that dedication to a school that really hasn't done a whole lot in terms of national prominence. So I think you can't help but give a lot of credit to Jeff Brom and his vision and what he was selling to Rondale Moore because he believes this in this guy wholeheartedly. You know that when Jeff Brom was rumored to take that job at Louisville, you know there was already rumors of Rondale following him to 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 Louisville, Kentucky, to play for the Cardinals. None of that ended up happening, but I do feel like there is that relationship there that, I mean, I don't know what it is. I'm not around Purdue football every day, but Rondale Moore is all in on Boilermaker football, and I understand how some Ohio State guys may want to end up sitting out, and Micah Parsons from Penn State may end up sitting out. I, I get that. I also feel like those guys are probably more likely to come back because their teams are so good, because the likelihood that they have of winning a national championship. Purdue is so far away from that type of – that's not a selling point, I guess is my point. You you can't sell Rondale more on coming back at a chance to win a national championship because it's not realistic. But you can – that's an easy selling point for those Ohio State kids that ended up coming back because of – the likelihood and the percentage that they have to win a national championship but college football is better for it is Nebraska's matchup with Purdue tougher because of it absolutely but call it, I like I like seeing teams with the best players and
0: so I think this is a win today for not just Purdue but for college football as a whole He's one of those players that you hold your breath anytime the ball gets near him. You're like, oh, my gosh, can we get this guy to the ground? So a big win today for Purdue, getting Rondale Moore to come back. All right, those are some of the topics, the top topics that we're attaching ourselves to here today. Uh, when we come back, we're going to sit down and talk to the head football coach of the Cornhuskers, Scott Frost. That's next. <laughs> We're back, Sports Nightly here on a Thursday night. Greg Sharp with you and delighted to be joined now by the head football coach of the Cornhuskers, Scott Frost, on our Woodhouse Auto Family Sports Nightly hotline. Coach, thanks for joining us. And on behalf of the entire Husker nation, let me please pass along our condolences to you and your family for the loss of your father last week.
3: I appreciate that. Uh, we're going to miss him. I couldn't ask for a better father. Yeah, going through this, Greg, I can't imagine going through something like this without any faith, because just, just the faith and the, the promise of uh, salvation through belief in, in Jesus and his sacrifice uh, gives you hope. And I can't imagine going through this without the hope.
0: You, you, you've gone through a lot. You were dealing with that on the personal side, and then the, the question marks about Big Ten football. What, what was your reaction when you finally heard the news that indeed you were going to have a season here this fall?
3: It was a tough day for me. The day uh, they announced was the day that died. Um, so, it, you know, it was an interesting day. Um, we're just excited to be playing. Um, I, th- I think we made a bad mistake deciding what we decided when we did as a league. And um, it looked for a long time like they weren't going to revisit that at all. And um, I'm, I'm just glad that we're getting a chance to let our kids play football this year.
0: How influential do you think Nebraska was in helping the the change of course
3: oh I think I think it was probably helpful some of the things that that we said and did, and maybe some things that our players said and did, and we weren't the only ones um, I think there's a lot of people out there at some other schools too fighting to play, and at the very least, I think that kept the conversation going and maybe some some pressure on some people to to revisit that decision and um, I'm glad we landed in a place where our kids get to play football.
0: What's What's been the reaction of the team?
3: They're just excited to play. Um, you know, we've been lifting and running and doing individual drills and everything for so long. Um, our guys are just anxious to get out there. And uh, we kept telling them we thought there was a chance and we should know something and we should know something. And, and there was a lot of times I didn't know what to tell the guys because I didn't know. Uh, so there's a lot of uncertainty, uh, a lot of frustration, but through it all, our guys worked really hard, and and have kept trying to get better, and uh, we're anxious to get the pads on, sounds like we maybe are going to have a chance to get the pads on on the 30th, so next Wednesday, and I hope that happens. Uh, We haven't had shoulder pads on since November of last year, so we're anxious to to take that step and and get the guys in pads and get them blocking and tackling again. And, um, just looking forward to, to competing.
0: How would you characterize the physical shape your team is currently in?
3: You know, it's been so interesting, Greg. We're in good shape. I think our guys know their schemes. Well, it's going to be a matter of getting in football shape and getting the guys used to contact again. Um, but through this whole process, you know, half the time, we were doing everything we could, but it wasn't as much as we wanted to be doing. There's some other times, and I'm not sure anybody in the league knew what we were supposed to be doing. Um, you know, we we were stuck in a period of just running and lifting longer than we should have. We were stuck in a, a period of being able to do everything but 11-11 on longer than we should have. Um, once we decided to cancel football as a league, uh, People at the NCAA, that, committees that were made up of teams, people from leagues that we playing, helped decide what we could and couldn't do. And since we didn't have any games scheduled, uh, we were very limited in what we could do with our guys. So we, we've been trying to solve a lot of issues this whole time and do the best we could for our kids the whole time. And I, I think we've handled it about as well as anyone could have.
0: Busy again with head football coach Scott Frost here on Sports Nightly and the Husker Sports Network. You mentioned the date, the 30th, for pads. With the first game being the 24th of of October, do you feel like that will give you sufficient time to get your team ready to play?
3: Yeah, we're going to have to approach practice a little different than we would have. You know, you would have liked to have a little time to kind of work yourself into contact a little more and a little more and and build it up. Uh, We're not going to have the luxury of doing that, so we're probably going to have to adjust practices and, um, and try to fast track that a little bit. but. I, again, I, some of the decisions we're making are good. Some I don't really understand. Uh, we're out doing 11 on 11 right now with guys touching each other and, um, and doing as much as you, contact as you can without pads on, and um, nobody in our league's allowed to put pads on until all the t- uh, conference-provided testing is on each campus, and uh, hopefully that's done by the 30th. I'm not really sure. Why putting shoulder pads on will, will change how, how the virus is going to react to our team when we're out there as a whole group anyway. But, uh, you know, some of those decisions I can question, but it's pointless to question. Uh, we're, we just got to follow the rules that are put in front of us and do the best we can for our team.
0: Well, because you've been out on the field some with these guys, what is your impression of your team? Do you feel like you've improved in some areas, or will it take the pad part of it to really confirm that for you?
3: Yeah, you can tell a little before you have pads on, but we need to be a more physical team. And uh, like I said, we're going to have to fast track that. So um, it's hard to tell right now. We're going to continue to work and do everything we can to keep getting better and uh, getting pads on is going to be a big piece of that.
0: You and I spoke, oh, maybe maybe it's two months ago, and you, you talked about that with everything kind of shut down you, and, and the players having to be in control of a lot of things, that you feel like you found some leaders. Are you close to naming captains? What, what are you thinking about captains for this upcoming fall?
3: I haven't even really thought about that, to be honest with you. We've had so many other hurdles to jump over and so many other problems to solve. Uh, We haven't really talked about that, but you're right. Uh, Through a lot of this time, we've had to have a lot of captain-led workouts and captain-led practices, and a lot of stuff was optional, so we couldn't tell the guys to be there. But there were certainly players on the team that expected everybody else to be at some of those things. so, so I think it, it really has helped some leadership emerge, and hopefully that leadership uh, benefits us during the season.
0: You know, some programs have had to deal with guys that have opted out. You, I don't think you've had to deal with that. Do you feel like you've got everybody ready and locked in to do this here and starting in about a month?
3: Uh, we're close. You know, once they canceled season, I think people lost a little bit of hope. Um, it was hard to keep everybody kind of pinned down and, and focused when they didn't know what they were working for, um, so we're close. We certainly haven't, haven't had anybody opt out thinking they were going to go to the draft early, and, and announcing football certainly helps. So uh, we got the, the vast majority of our team out there trying to get better.
0: You know, one thing that I, I think has been disappointing to a lot of people was with the, with the shutdown of all this is that they've limited and really have cut off the ability to have any prospective student-athletes come on campus do you see that being loosened up at all or are you going to have to all everybody's gonna have to i guess deal with these restrictions for the next several months
3: yeah again it's it's probably not my place to question a lot of these decisions i just know there's been quite a few that that don't benefit us very much and um you know we're, we're, we're typically as far away from our average uh Scholarship student athlete as anybody in the country, we have to go all over to get them. Uh, we do really well when kids get to Lincoln and see what see what it's all about, and and get to come here and experience it. But you know, it's hard to recruit out of state when kids never have an opportunity to come see campus or come see our facilities and, and visit with us in person. So it's challenging for everybody. I think it's probably even more challenging for uh, teams that are recruiting from from uh, longer distances and. Uh, we're gonna do the best we can with that I think we've done a good job so far but it certainly doesn't doesn't help us at all to not be able to bring kids to Lincoln
0: it seems like you've you've had some pretty good momentum in that that must speak pretty well of your staff and their ability to kind of fight through some of those obstacles
3: yeah you know everybody's been trying to solve those problems too uh, we've had to do more more calls with kids more uh, faceTime calls more zooms uh, trying to show kids all our facilities virtually, and um, and that's taken a lot of a time and effort, too, but our, our staff's going to work hard at that, and, you know, we've been hopeful the whole time that we've been able to get uh, kids to campus at some point, and it, it doesn't look like that's going to happen, so we're going to have to piece this thing together uh, in different ways.
0: Scott, we had Bill Moose on a couple of nights ago, and one of the casualties a few months back with all the budget cuts was the closing of the training table. He did say that's going to be open back up for football. Uh, that's pretty big, isn't it? I mean, you've got to be able to make sure these guys are being filled up properly.
3: Yeah, you got to put the right fuel in an engine, and uh, it was certainly a probably a wise cost-cutting measure uh, when we were facing the prospects of having no revenue as an athletic department. Um, now that we're going to re- recover some of that, uh, it's important that our guys are eating right and staying healthy. And, and really uh, having a good diet helps your immune system too. Uh, there's there's some standards that we have to meet if we're expected to play that the Big Ten's put in place that uh, have us worried a little bit, just the number of kids that um, can, can be current positives with COVID uh, and the limit on that before you're uh, told that you can't play that week. Uh, So we're going to have to be really careful. And I I think diet is something that will help with that on top of helping the guys be the best they can be on the field.
0: You've had a roster size coach of around 150 with the testing and maybe some limitations on testing. Are you going to have to, to reduce that a little bit as you make your way through the fall?
3: I hope not. I haven't heard that answer for sure. But uh, again, a lot of these rules seem to not benefit us at all. And, uh, you know, having a, a larger roster is a Nebraska tradition, and it's been an important part of, of being around here. Uh, you know, we have a lot of rules, Title IX and others, that uh, help ensure kids an opportunity to do what they love to do and to compete. And uh, it would be a real shame to have to tell a number of our guys that they can't be a part of the team for a fall. But uh, we're waiting to hear final answers on some of those things.
0: How how busy has it been for for your ops guys now that they you know where you're playing and I mean it's, I mean thro- thro- throwing throwing and traveling a football team is like moving an army to be able to get a team from point A to point B and get hotel space that's got to be crazy right now around that office.
3: Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how much how much pe- people <laughs> are traveling right now and whether there's going to be you know the fans aren't going to be coming to places because they told us we can't have any fans in the stadium. Um, so maybe hotels will be easier. I don't know. There's still a lot of questions and answers that, that we don't have that we're going to have to work through, but I'm glad you brought those guys up. Uh, you know, our, our ops guys, Andrew Sims and Jared lambrick um, our strength conditioning staff with Zach and Andrew and, and other guys in the weight room, uh, Sean Beckham Jr. and others and, um, and our training staff, led by Mark Meyer, uh, those guys have been on the front lines and haven't had any time off because they've been the guys having to um, organize things, get guys back healthy through COVID, keep guys healthy, organize testing, uh, organize screening, organize sanit- sanitation. Um, not only have those guys put in a ton of work, but they, you know, they've also put themselves at risk a little bit uh, when we were faced with a lot more uncertainty about what we were dealing with with COVID so I I can't say enough about those guys and how valuable they've been not just to our football program but to the athletic department in general
0: We spoke to Wandale a couple of days ago and he talked about having his position group meetings uh, in some open spaces maybe even in the Hawks where you kind of spread guys out a little bit how big of a challenge has that been just to do something as simple as a position group meeting and making sure guys are safe
3: Yeah it's position meetings it's uh, all the effort we've gone through to feed our guys and try to keep them safe. Uh, even team meetings have been tough. Um, yeah. we can't, we can't get everybody in a room and have a team meeting and talk about the culture of our team or schedules. Uh, so we've had to, had to rely on kind of passing communication down chain of command and, and trying to get people to understand what's going on. But, uh, you know, there's just been a lot of challenges and we're not the only ones facing them. Um, we've done the best we can. And, um, and the biggest thing has been keep our kids healthy and safe the whole time. And, and to be honest with you, we're kind of at a point where the, the kids aren't afraid of the virus. They're, they're afraid of getting the virus and having to sit out. And I, I think that's probably where most college students are, or at least college athletes are right now. Um, probably the biggest motivation for our guys to, to make sure they're making smart decisions off the field is to make sure they have an opportunity to compete.
0: As crazy and uncertain as everything has been, is it? does it feel right and normal at times when you're at least out on the field with your team?
3: It's starting to. Uh, even until this week when we're out on the field after having been out so many times and we're out on the field again but still don't know where our opponent's going to be, uh, sometimes it felt like we were just spinning our wheels in the mud. Uh, but it's starting to get back to normal. Um, we have – we have a light at the end of the tunnel. We have a, a goal to prepare for. Uh, we have competition on the horizon, and it's starting to feel more normal. You watching any football, or has
0: it just been too painful up until now to even flip it on and watch a game?
3: It's hard for me to watch. It was hard for me to watch college football when I knew uh, we weren't playing. Instead of been watching some of the guys that I've coached here and other places in the NFL, and uh, that, that was a little easy for, easier for me to do, but uh, now, that, now that we have a, a game on the schedule, we're, we're focused on uh, what we're doing.
0: Very good. Well, Coach, we appreciate the time. Uh, I know it's going to be a hectic month getting ready for the game on the 24th, but uh, let's hope everybody stays safe and, and keeps healthy, and let's keep trucking along.
3: You bet. That's all we can do is keep, uh, keep fighting to be the best we can be, and, and our kids are excited about that right now.
0: Right now, let's go to Chicago originally from New York, but now calls the second city his home. He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate, but his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. We need to add to that open that he also swings his golf club like Rice and DeChambeau. (laughs) How big a hitter is that? I mean, what a great week he had, wasn't it, Teddy? He was impressive. The guy
4: is an absolute freak show, and to miss that many fairways and still win the U.S. Open is unreal. But he plays it the way he wants to play. And that was what was cool about him and Matthew Wolf. They do it how they want to do it. I'm sure people have told them over the years, oh, you're not going to win that way. Um, Especially Matthew Wolf with that crazy swing. But they believe in themselves, and Bryson put on a show
0: out there. It, can he hold up? Can, can his body hold up like that? I mean, he's still a young guy, so for a few years. But that was the same thing they worried about with Tiger when he was coming up. Can his, can his body hold up?
4: And it was, I think, a legitimate concern with Tiger. Obviously, he got to 15 majors, but uh, going to have trouble getting to more because age and his body and all that. But, I mean, Bryson lives the game. The crazy thing is, Greg, you probably saw, he said he is determined to get even longer. He wants to see if he can stretch it and become a guy who hits it 380 off the tee instead of 350. (laughs) And I tell you what, man, everybody who has questioned him right now is saying we were wrong. Because if you can win the U.S. Open convincingly in that style, then, man, he's the boss. He's done it. He's proven
0: it. It was impressive. You only got to break par on a really difficult track in in wing foot. All right, the big story today was Rondell Moore opting back in. That's huge for Purdue, isn't it, to get that guy back on the field?
4: I mean, when he opted out, I practically shed a tear because we only got to see one season of Rondell Moore. As a freshman, he was absolutely explosive as a receiver, as a return man. I think, you know, he took a handful of uh, handoffs. And then he barely played last year, right? I mean, he was injured so early in the season. So this is great news, you know, for Purdue. And Minnesota's going to try to get Rashad Bateman back, and Ohio State's obviously gotten some players. So the fact that these guys were smart enough, I believe, not to take money from agents to stay eligible. Rondell Moore is a charming guy. He's a guy who has all the ability in the world and – You know, if you were sitting with him, he's a humble guy, very smart. Um, So bad for the Big Ten West, bad for Nebraska, bad for Northwestern, bad for every school, great for Purdue.
0: Northwestern didn't get that kind of news today. Their big tackle, Slater, he's saying he's staying. He's not coming back. He's just going to get ready for the draft. Was Fitz, you think Fitz was working him? What was going on with that?
4: I had to give my boy Pete Thammel a hard time about that, that he tweeted that out. I said, come on, man, I tweeted this a week ago, I told you, I, I told you, Rashawn Slater was not coming back. Uh, when I when I texted Fitz about this a couple weeks ago, he he just quoted Hawk Harrelson. He, he replied to my text. He said Hawk Harrelson. I said you can put it on the board. Yes. He goes no. He <laughs> gone.
5: <laughs>
4: so he gone. Rashawn Slater has signed with an agent. Um, that's it. He's not coming back. Northwestern doesn't have its great left tackle, but they have a lot of good players. This could be a sneaky year for Northwestern. Peyton Ramsey is going to be the quarterback. Obviously, they had the worst quarterback play in all of America last year. Now they've got a guy who is the fifth-rated quarterback in the Big Ten, Peyton Ramsey, coming from Indiana. So the defense is going to be good. Will they score enough points? They have a very favorable schedule starting with Maryland. So Northwestern has got to be feeling pretty, pretty decent about itself right now.
0: So Rondell Moore is back, and apparently so is the Pac-12. Are you surprised that that league now has jumped into it? Reports are they're going to kick it off the first Saturday in November. Are you surprised by their decision?
4: It's it's certainly great to see. If you'd if you'd told me that three weeks ago, I would have said yes. I was surprised. You know, combination of combination of um, the fires and all those restrictive rules in states like California, Oregon, and Washington where you figured it was going to be hard enough to get the permission just to gather, just to have a practice, let alone a game. But everything has trended the right way in the last couple weeks, Greg, as you know. I mean, Nebraska and Ohio State were two of the schools that were saying, we can do this right. And the fact that the Big Ten said yes, the Pac-12 now says yes, and we'll see about the MAC and the Mountain West and all these other conferences. But... Look, it's not smooth sailing. I mean, we know about what's happened with uh, Notre Dame this week. I mean, Notre Dame has had to push off its game. And honestly, I've heard that the situation there is a more serious than even they've let on. So it's not smooth sailing. But if we get the daily rapid antigen testing, hopefully that'll allow all the Big Ten schools to play on.
0: Is Notre Dame utilizing that or do you know?
4: Notre Dame right now is for some of its players is doing three days a week, which is what the ACC mandates is the minimum. For its linemen, for the guys who are, you know, kind of in the midst of it, who are on the line and breathing on other players, they are doing testing every day. Now, I think also it's important for the linemen because they are, tend to be bigger guys, they are in an at risk group. They need to be tested every day, but clearly there have been some holes here because seven Notre Dame players have tested positive. USF, you know, is holding out on its game. So uh, Notre Dame is, uh, it has got a situation here. I've heard that one of the coaches has tested positive, Oof. and the fact that they're not playing next weekend I think is an, also an indication that it's more serious than they're letting on.
0: Yeah, crazy stuff there. How, how giddy are, are Bears fans right now, Teddy? What a, What a start for them out of the gate.
4: Greg, I don't know if you saw the game on Sunday, but it was—you know—they were cruising to an early, an easy victory over the Giants, and then the G-men came back and almost won it, or at least tied it. So I think Bears fans now are somewhat relieved, um, mourning the passing of Gale Sayers, the great Gale Sayers. Oh
6: yeah,
4: pretty, yeah, pretty excited about Mitch Trubisky, but realizing that that is a soft two and zero. It's not like they've been blowing anybody out came back against the Lions, held on for dear life against the Giants. So, it, it, that's a very very soft tune-up.
0: You, you mentioned Sayers, he grew, grew up in Omaha, so he's a Nebraska native and a lot of heavy hearts around here when they got that news yesterday. How, how big a shadow does he still cast in the Chicago area? He certainly had a career cut short by injuries. Is he still was he still a name in Chicago?
4: 1000%. Um, you know, he's a guy who is viewed as even though he only played, I believe, 6 seasons. His greatness was such that he's one of the greatest Bears of all time. He's obviously a Hall of Famer. And, you know, when Reggie Bush was doing his thing, especially USC maybe 10 years ago or whatever, that was the comparison. He was, like, untackleable, if that's a word. And that's what Gail Sayers was. And also, you know, Mike Wilbon tweeted about this. His tweet was, they say, never meet your idols because you might be disappointed, and Gale Sayers was the opposite of that. He was an incredibly classy guy, just non-controversial. Everybody loved Gale, so certainly sad to see his passing at age 77, I believe.
0: You mentioned the Giants. Boy, those New York football teams aren't very good, Teddy. going to be a long, <laughs> long season there.
4: Trevor Lawrence, let, let's go, Jets. I <laughs> yeah. mean, the Jets screwed it up last year and won a bunch of games in the second half of the season, and that was completely unnecessary. This year, if we can get the number one pick and get Adam Gase fired, it will be a huge success.
0: Very good. All right, what are you working on? You got anything cooking?
4: A couple stories here and there. You know, I did a fun one today, Greg, about um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I talked to Darren Revel uh, because there was one day that. A Cubs game appeared, as, you know, in the in the movie when he's at the Greasy Spoon, and there's a Claudel Washington pop-up. That's in June, but the filming took place in September. So it was kind of a fun story about Ferris Bueller kind of had two days off. So talking about that, wrote a little bit about Notre Dame, and then really just gearing up for this Notre this uh, Big Ten start can't wait for Big Ten football to be in view. It'll be before long. In the meanwhile, we got some SEC football to chew on, so hopefully uh, Alabama-Missouri will put on a little show Saturday for us.
0: No doubt. Enjoy the, re- enjoy the weekend. We'll talk next week.
4: Thank you, Greg. Have a great one, buddy. We'll see you.
0: We're moving on now to Beyond the Headlines. That's one small
1: step for man, one giant leap for mankind. That's the way of it Beyond the headlines
6: well, here we are for another edition of beyond the headlines but i I'll have to admit that i'm I'm not even really paying attention to the show right now I'm just both Austin and I have been talking this whole night about how nervous we are for <laughs> face off and uh, yeah it's hard to concentrate on what's going on right now, so you guys are both going to be fine
2: I mean it is nothing like and, and I can say this because austin's austin's now done it it's nothing like proposing to a woman i mean it's not you should not be that nervous for for this segment fair enough if you are then we're gonna have to have a conversation
7: <laughs> There are mind games being played in the internal communications though so
2: that's true that, that's on you i mean we we can't be having any mental midgets on the team true that's that's fair
7: All right, you guys aren't out of the hot seat yet. We are here in Beyond the Headlines, so we'll ask you the questions this segment and get ready to turn them around in about 40 minutes or so. So the big news of the day, like you guys said, was former Husker baseball player Alex Gordon retiring after the Royals game on Sunday. Gordon's well-known for his strict adherence to his diet, eating very healthy, uh, famously not really touching greasy food at all his whole career, and so earlier today in his... uh, Retirement announcement press conference. Gordon mentioned that he's been thinking a lot about pizza recently. So, if you guys had followed Gordon's diet for 14 or 15 seasons, what's the first thing you would eat when you didn't eat that diet anymore?
0: Oh, first of all, would
6: would you have been able to follow that diet for 14 years? No, I'll I'll try
2: 14 days. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I feel like I feel like if I like, for example, like when I was in Italy. And then I was in Hawaii. Like they've got obviously different cu- cuisines than we have here in Nebraska. But the first thing I wanted when I came back was like bar food, like like burgers and a wings and something like that. That that's, I feel like that's the first thing that I that I want. I actually think the first thing I ate when I came back from Italy was like a Chick Fil A at the airport.
0: It was the best, <laughs> the best thing ever. You know, when, when I remember when. when I, my family we went to europe well it's been five or six years ago and in europe and ben you have probably found this out they don't give you ice in your drinks yeah yeah and so the first thing we did we i think we landed in the atlanta airport we went and got a drink with ice just like oh boy give me that uh gordon <laughs> is famous for saying he didn't hasn't had a cheeseburger yeah in like 10 years so for me it'd probably be a cheeseburger get me a cheese greasy cheeseburger <laughs> That's what I would probably throw down first. What, what's yeah, imp- that.
6: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead, Josh. I was going to say, what's impressive about Gordon is that it mo- most professional athletes do adhere to some kind of a diet, but a lot of them will break it for, you know, at least a month during the offseason right. and then, you know, then take a couple more months after that to get back in shape before the season starts. but. It's impressive that he's gone, you know, 10, 14 years, whatever it's been, of just straight through not eating terrible food. His body might reject it, to be honest with you. (laughs) I I mean, mean, yeah, seriously, it might. Yeah. He may get sick if he eats, eats something greasy now. Yeah, for sure.
0: That'd be a
7: shame.
6: Alright, uh, topic number two, speaking of guys who are in good shape, this Sunday will mark the second time since 1930 that three brothers will play in the same NFL game as J.J., Derek, and T.J. Watt will take the field in the Steelers-Texans matchup. And You guys all have at least one sibling, so growing up, did you like playing sports or games with or against your siblings, and then putting yourself in the Watt brothers' shoes? Would you rather be J.J. going one against two, or on the other side, double teaming up against hmm. your brother? Well,
0: I've got Two brothers, so I'm kind of the same boat. So there are three of us, and loved having fun with them and wrestling around. I think we've, we've even mentioned on this show that we broke a table or something in our house because <laughs> yeah. we were wrestling around one day. Um, the two, I'm the middle, so my younger brother and I we used to always like to try to double team with older brother. Yeah. He he liked the challenge of still trying to be dominant over us. So yeah, I it, I wouldn't mind doubling up against him maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, I only have an older sister and
2: she wasn't obviously as into sports but i i felt like i was always the salesman whenever we'd like did want to play sports against each other like i I always had to try and like you know spot her runs or points or (laughs) you know just try and like bait her into playing or whatever and it never ended well obviously because she would either get you know bored and tired of it or for some reason, she, like, she beat me in horse once when, when, I don't know how old I was, 12 maybe or something like that. And I was, like, so beside myself that, like, it was one of those deals while, while we're playing again, like, I, and I have to prove that I'm going to beat you into the ground. Like, that's, the, you know, so it, it never ended well at all, <laughs> but I always, I always kind of wanted that because basically every single one of my friends had brothers and I always wanted that brotherly rivalry that I saw whenever I was at my friend's house. She didn't try to dress you up or anything, did she? No. No. <laughs> she, she could care less about what I was doing.
7: <laughs> I'm in the same, same boat as Greg. I have two brothers as well, but I'm the oldest. And so I was also kind of in the ben role of the salesman to just fight to get them outside a little bit. We'd always get pissed off at each other. You know, I'd want to win. I'd take on the double team. I'd enjoy it. But there is something about being on the same team, playing against your friends and teaming up to beat people. That was always a, a source yeah. of great pride for the three of us.
2: Austin, yeah. you're not a big dude by any stretch of the imagination. Are you, like size-wise, were you always the biggest, even though you were the oldest?
7: I, I managed to stave off my, the, the middle one. It, it got close back in 2011 or so I was 13 he would have been 10 at that point it got close he almost caught me uh, I held off till late high school early college so and I'm, I'm I'm not the biggest I know I'm the shortest of my brothers right now but <laughs> I can still dunk I can still outlift him. I got that on him
6: there you go I I have one brother and he's six and a half years younger than me so it took a while before we were able to do really anything together so once he got to be, you know, 9, 10, 11 years old, he, he finally started to get big enough where he could keep up with me. And we, I, I, I enjoyed competing against him in things, but it was also fun when he got to be that age where I could do stuff with him and, like, be on the same team as him, too, because he was uh, a lot better athlete than I was and w- could keep up with me and all my friends, even though he was six years younger than me. So I, I kind of enjoyed both sides of that.
7: All right, we'll stick in the NFL for topic number three. So today is the eight-year anniversary of the Fail Mary game between the Seattle Seahawks and the Green Bay Packers. That game happened while NFL officials went on strike. There were replacement refs used for that game. So do you guys think officials in sports have gotten better over the last eight years, stayed about the same, or gone backwards?
2: I feel like it's stayed about the same. I mean, NFL, Josh and I watched that game together. Yep. Um... I remember. I remember that so clearly. What what that was like having those replacement refs and watching that Monday night game. That was just that was craziness. Um, I feel like I feel like baseball umpires, kind of s- some of them anyway, still have that ego. You know where, like Joe West ejected the. Was he the Braves or the Nationals? Rizzo. GMB. The, team was the, the Nats. Nationals GM. When he was in a booth by himself, like with his mask off, he like stopped the entire game, made a huge scene, and then ejected the general manager from the game like we've still got umpires out there that make it about themselves um, and not the players out there, which really bothers me, but you know I think um, I think for the most part it's, it's I, my answer is same or or slightly better.
0: I think, you know, with instant replay, in some ways we've made officials gun-shy. They're like, they don't want to make a call because they don't want to be proven wrong. So they sometimes err on the side of caution. But I also think, and this goes to Ben's point as I kind of waver on the fence here, is that when you go and do the slow-mo replay, it's amazing how many times they're right. Yeah, how many right. times they, they see the knee going down at the half-yard line or the ball rolling in a guy's chest. So he doesn't have the catch as he goes to the ground, or maybe a pitch that does clip the corner, uh, outside corner of the plate. So I think I think it's probably about the same. Sometimes I think that they probably worry about the eye in the sky a little bit, but man, they're they're really good at what they do. I, I don't know that we appreciate them as much as we probably
6: should. Yeah, that was kind of kind of going to be my point too. Is that they I feel like being able to see instant replay they and maybe to some extent it holds them accountable a little bit more. Mm-hmm. They can't just make a random call and be right. you know whatever it's fine nobody's gonna you know so there's some of that but it also is they probably have been doing a good job for a lot of years and uh, maybe are even a little bit better but but I, I, a, I appreciate
2: not having to watch Joey Crawford. On an NBA <laughs> floor ever again. That like that 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 type of officiating just drives me nuts. Yeah,
0: fair enough. Part of me part of me wishes they would take instant replay away because it's the human element of it. But I also understand
6: that it's probably made the right things happen well, a lot. And I was going to say there have been a, a, a few games that just stick in my mind of teams that are, I'm a fan of where before instant replay was a thing, my team you know got got the raw end of the deal because there wasn't replay and if it had been turned over, it would have completely changed the game like playoff game. So I I think that, you know, uh, for the most part, I would say replay is, is a good thing. Um, we're going to stick with NFL anniversaries for our next topic. Today marks 20 years ago that 49ers wide receiver Terrell Owens attempted to plant the football on the star at midfield (laughs) against the Cowboys. And if you'll remember Dallas defensive back, George Teague sprinted after Owens and tackled him as he attempted to put the football down on the star after a touchdown and a brawl ensued. Owens uh, (laughs) didn't even care about the brawl. He just stood on the star with his arms outstretched. So, what are some of the most iconic touchdown celebrations in the NFL that you can remember over the past several years? Oh man, so well, that's many! That's definitely one of them. Randy, w-
2: was it Randy Moss with the Sharpie, or was that T O two? No, that was that was T O, mm-hmm. and Joe uh, Horn with
0: the cell phone. Joe yep.
2: Horn with the cell phone. Randy Moss with the moon of Lambeau <laughs> Field. <laughs> Ocho Cinco had a ton of them. You know where Didn't he like Joe- used the used the pylon as a putter yeah. and was putting remember- the football. Remember Joe Bucks calling that moon job? Oh, he goes, yeah. That's he was disgusting. so mad. He was so, so beside himself. How about the kid at Ole Miss last year? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, the dog. Yeah, the uh, T.O. with the pom-poms and the cheerleaders. And the popcorn. Um, <laughs> yeah, the popcorn.
6: I'm trying to think. I mean, Ocho Cinco had a well, ton
2: there for a while. It's funny because
6: they, I feel like for a while it was, you know, Terrell Owens and, you know, Ocho Cinco and those guys, for you know for a 10-year stretch there, they kind of – had you know they're the ones that were doing all those celebrations, and n- a lot of people just you know did the spike and all that, but now everybody has to come up with these great celebrations, and a lot of times it involves the entire team and they 're elaborate i don 't feel like it 's quite as good I, they're, at least they 're not as memorable to me nowadays, yeah because i mean everybody's doing it
2: i i also, i can 't remember who did it, but there was one where. It was a receiver, and he scored a touchdown, like, streaking up the middle of the field, like, right up the seam. Scored a touchdown, like, without hesitation. Just, like, I don't know if it was impromptu or, or planned or what, but he ran straight to the goal post and jumped on it and slid down it like a fire pole. Like, it was almost like that was the objective. Like, you know how sometimes... You know, players gotta run over to the camera and then do it. Like there was just literally no hesitation. And so it looks so funny. Yeah. Greg wouldn't have finished his touchdown call yet, and that guy would have been slid down the (laughs) slid down the pole.
7: I wonder if George George Teague feels like the Rick Monday of the NFL saving a, a hallowed symbol. From being desecrated well he
2: had done that was the second time he had done it like he had did it he done it once earlier in the game and nothing happened and then he went to try it again and that's when they're like oh hell no this is not about to happen a second time it's
7: good oh man Heavy NFL here again for topic number five. So after Sunday's absolutely dominating win over the Minnesota Vikings by my beloved Indianapolis Colts, linebacker Darius Leonard tosses gloves to a young fan in the stands. But what he didn't realize at the time is that his wedding ring was stuck in his gloves, Whoa, came oh off no. with the glove. Uh, Stayed in the glove. So the fan was surprised to see the ring and put out a message on Twitter trying to get in contact with Leonard And Leonard did take to Twitter and say that his wife was understanding of the situation She wasn't freaked out about any potential impropriety or anything. She was understanding So what's the closest you guys have come to losing your wedding rings and how should Hmm. I go about preventing that?
2: (laughs) Okay Um, This this is kind of weird, but my wife and I since my wife's a nurse and I'm home all the time I haven't worn my wedding ring, like, since being in quarantine. Like, I don't know why. Like, it's just, you know, I'm just at home. I'm not out. Like, you know, it, it's a it's a good day if I don't put on basketball shorts. Like, <laughs> so that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I haven't – so that being said, I haven't really come close to losing mine yet. I've only been married for almost two years. But there was one time where I was playing with my niece, and I was – I'm no, I you know this will surprise everybody. I I am the roughhousing uncle with all <laughs> the nieces and nephews, and girl, boy, I don't I don't care. I mean we're we're getting after it when we're playing, and I was playing with my niece and she, she was like jumping up and down on this bed, and I, and she would jump up and down, and I'd smack her ankles out out from underneath of her, so she'd land on her rear end, and she just thought it was the funniest thing. Well, I did that once, and when I went to smack her ankles out from under her my wedding ring flew off and it like shot all the way across the room and banged off the wall like so that was probably the closest that i've come to lose i mean granted i knew the area that it was in so it wasn't like a nate roar chair scenario oh
0: boy (laughs) i was gonna bring that up that chair scenario um i I remember maybe the closest that i had was i I didn't have gloves on and i needed to scrape my windows and you know when it's cold your fingers compact and so I am scraping along, and that baby just went flinging off. And I, oh boy, you know, I'm digging around in snow, but I, I found it. I knew kind of what spot it landed in, so I was able to find it. Yeah, where were you at home, or were you like in a parking lot? Somewhere? No, I, I, I think I was right down there by the office. Oh okay. man,
6: I was gonna say Austin. That's probably my ad- advice for not losing it: is make sure you wear it at different times and make sure that it's sized right and if it's not sized right then go back and get it resized yeah, if in doubt
2: my my advice would be if in doubt if you're if you're stuck between an eight or a nine or whatever get the eight see because my- i i was between sizes and went up and i wish i, I wish i got it smaller because mine comes off way too easy
7: my my issue that I'm finding, my dad said he had the same issue, is that my knuckle is bigger than the base of my finger, so yeah. I need a bigger size to get it over. Over the knuckle. It's kind of yeah. dangly once it gets over, yeah. not yeah. stuck on there. So You just
6: got to fatten your fingers a little bit. I, yeah. I've been gotta working gotta on jamming it that. repeatedly
7: to try to see if I can work some magic. It hasn't worked so well yet. <laughs>
6: There you go. All right, While well, we finally get away from a, a football topic, um, and this is kind of a sobering story from the New England Journal of Medicine, that, an article that came out earlier this week, which detailed the death of a man last year, and the cause of his death was determined to be too much licorice. Apparently, the man had consumed a bag and a half of licorice for two weeks straight before he collapsed from heart issues, and licorice contains something called—and I'm not even going to say it—something <laughs> acid which depletes potassium and can cause heart irregularities. So, if you guys, this is kind of a dark topic, but if you had to die from eating one kind of candy, what would it be? Hmm. Got to be candy corn, right? Oh my!
0: Don't <laughs> even. <laughs> don't even. I knew that would get you fired up. Um. Oh, it's got to be something chocolatey. Yeah. I'm not like Snick. a big candy guy. I know
6: Ben's guy. not a candy guy. This isn't no. a question for him. It'd be more a question Slim jims for, ben? I, I, for me. I Slim love jims,
2: s- yeah. If that that doesn't count as a candy, but <laughs> I, I yeah, I and me now for yeah. for a
0: box of Slim Jims. <laughs> I, I enjoy good Snickers every yeah. now and then, particularly when I get cranky. So yeah, Snickers.
7: <laughs> you're not you and you're hungry. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> good stuff. Uh see I, I, I don't know if I enjoy candy immensely, not nearly as much as I did as a kid, but I am I have been snacking on a, a bag of Twizzlers right now, but I'm just gonna swear them off for the next month and a half or two after,
0: Reading after story. This topic. Yeah. Yeah. Josh,
6: aren't you a big you're a big uh uh licorice guy. You like licorice. I do you? like licorice. I don't think I eat a bag and a half for two weeks. The <laughs> the, the the article did say that it doesn't take very much for it to start causing irregularities in your heart so like it's actually kind of a serious serious thing i mean it doesn't affect everybody the same way and like this guy was also under a lot of stress too but he he just had like super low potassium in his body, which crazy. was what ended so up. So if you're
0: a licorice eater out there, just be careful. When you're done. Have a banana. Have a banana. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> balance your licorice with bananas. This is why people listen to Sports Nightly. Right. Get these kind this, of tips for life. This exactly. is information you can't get anywhere else. Yes. That's right.
7: <laughs> All right. We started in the AL Central. We'll loop back there to finish so earlier this week minnesota twins third baseman josh donaldson gifted his teammates bathrobes that had their name and jersey number on the back a nice navy blue with red characters so two questions first would you guys wear yours in the dugout on your day off and second would you prefer one of those bathrobes or a quarterback coat from the nfl
2: oh bathrobe 100 percent. and yeah i would wear mine in the dugout just like nelson cruz did oh yeah And if I didn't have one, I'd take mine from Toby, just like in the office.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
6: I'll
0: go. I'll be different. Give me the quarterback coat. Yeah. Give me it, that
6: thing. Speaking of clothing and dugouts, you guys see the, the – I think it was the Rays were smoking cigars, and they all, all they had their shirts off in the dugout after they, they clinched the division last night. I think it was last night. They were all sitting, sitting in there and smoking cigars because they can't have alcohol, which is right. normally they have the champagne celebrations. And yeah. They can't do that, so – the COVID COVID took that just away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good stuff.
0: Is there anything in there worth uh, a Twitter poll? What about has instant replay helped sports or hurt? Yeah, that's Is that a good wor- one. Worthy of a Twitter poll. Perfect. Yep, I'll we'll get all that right. up. Thursday night. Been looking forward to this hour all week long. We get to turn things around on the face-off. We're going to have that later on in the hour. The conversation with the cooks. We'll hear what's up with head volleyball coach John Cuckoo is also having a uh, press conference tomorrow. We'll play some of the clips of that tomorrow night here on the program. Ben, Benny, you ready? You fired up? You good? Oh yeah,
2: let's go, baby. <laughs> I, I would say payback time, but Josh, like I said before, Josh and Austin are mild. Like they, they just do their job, and, yeah. and that's it. You know, there's not a lot of snarky, backhanded comments. Brett's more passive aggressive. Tim's just bare knuckle. Like, well, we can we can arrange that. We can get those two in the hot seat. I I just want to see Tim in there. I just want to see him flounder. That's really all I want to see. So I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna get satisfied if they don't get an answer right. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna love that. I'm not gonna like yeah. that. But if Tim were to, to be on here, we would be just be burying him. Yeah. All right. Let's do it.
0: It's time for face off.
8: Let's go, Mano Amano. You me right here. Right now.
0: Now, here are your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. I like the sound of that. Oh, oh, oh. we sound good as hosts. (laughs) You really do. Yeah. yeah.
6: So Josh and
0: Austin, you guys ready? You fired
6: up? I guess. Here's the thing. Austin said last week, he was like, you know what? I'm just going to spend this entire next week practicing. Like, I'm going to be doing a bunch of trivia and research. I didn't take that approach. I've just been trying to get my mental game right. So I've just been playing yep. this sounder over and over and over again and, and imagining myself getting the questions right. Well, you so. know
2: who's in control of the sounders oh, oh, tonight.
6: No. <laughs> I, 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 I
2: hacked into the computer, boys. All Let my- me ask you this before we get started. Compare this, the feeling of this, with SNBL and with our fantasy football draft. Is this like is, – is, is the attention and the nervousness and the nerves and the excitement as high or higher for this than those other two?
7: Well, for me, I compare it more to my first time on Top 11 Tuesday, honestly. I have kind of this, that same same sort of feeling. You know, I'm not going to promise to be Ken Jennings or James Holzhauer or anything, but I also don't want to be Tweedledee or Tweedledum. So that's yeah. this is my goal.
6: I was going to say, my, my nerves are probably as high or higher than SNBL. Um the the NFL fantasy draft that was that was nothing we do that all the time so yeah, this true. is this is I, I'm nervous about this cuz this could go any any which way and the whole on
2: right. the whole state and the whole world are listening right now <laughs> so yeah, yeah, no pressure yeah, yeah
0: yeah they are all right to reacquaint everybody I'll ask a question and then to buzz in Josh and Austin will say their name the first one gets the first crack to answer correctly if they get it they can then play the category or pass it to the other one three strikes and then the other person has a chance to steal it. So there's the rules to the game. All right, here we go. First question. Now that the Big Ten schedule is out, which four schools have the Huskers faced the most during their history on the gridiron? Josh. Josh? Josh? Uh, Minnesota. That is correct. In fact, they've faced the Huskers the most. 60 matchups between the Gophers Ooh. and the Cornhuskers. Do you want to play or pass? I will play... And you said
2: four schools. Top yes, four. three left. Yep. And Josh, you've done a lot of our opponent opponent previews, so you've got a leg oh, up leg on up this one. Up and a half. Maybe. Two legs up. All right. Um, give me Iowa. Is Iowa on the board?
0: You're batting no- a thousand. What, what's there to be afraid of? They're number two. The Oscars have faced the Hawkeyes fifty times. Ten fewer than the Gophers, but still
6: a lot at fifty. Yeah, that's that's quite a few. Um. I n- now it gets a little bit tougher because I'm I'm throwing about five different schools around in my head. And go in three. of The wrong well, there's ones. two left and there's three strikes, so just right. So you can get well, four of them. Okay, very good. <laughs> um, how about how about Indiana? How about Indiana?
0: Wow. Their third—that's uh, the one Make I wasn't sure you would get. Twenty-one times the Huskers and the Hoosiers have played. Okay, now that, here's impressive.
6: Here's the risk: is n- now I'm going to start eliminating schools for Austin if I don't get it in my next three. Um. By the way, welcome no to cheat- the
0: game within the game. <laughs> no, neither <laughs> one of you guys can be jumping on the internet back there. That's the I, man, I can't. Well, 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 you know, you know they're policing each other back because
2: right. they're right okay,
6: they're good, sitting good. right next socially to each distanced
2: other. six feet apart but they are next
6: to each other eyes <laughs> like hawks right I'm, I'm actually just staring right at the thursday night football game trying to <laughs> relax my nerves a little bit um my is the answer mild skaskin <laughs> uh, buzz that's one <laughs> no um how about let's go with wisconsin
2: is it wisconsin, wisconsin. Your first strike of
6: your face-off career. How's it feel? Doesn't feel good. <laughs> <laughs> Got it out of the way though. All right. Um, let's go with. I know. Yeah, they're they're probably not on there, but I'll say them anyway. How about Penn State? Is it Penn State?
0: <laughs> okay. Oh boy, two strikes. It's yeah, dangerous no, now.
6: This is danger time. Austin's just. Licking Which, his chops. Yeah, he's ready over <laughs> there. He's going to jump in. Um, the good news is you only left him one choice, so.
0: I'm <laughs> impressed you got Indiana. That's yeah. the one I didn't think you'd get.
6: No, I remember, wow. again, that the opponent preview does help out because I remember when we have played them, we the Huskers played them, like, a lot in the 60s, I think, back in earlier before they were conference opponents, obviously. Uh, okay, my... Last guess, one way or the other. I'll go with the other NU, Northwestern.
0: Is it Northwestern?
6: Mm. Mm.
0: All right, Austin, you got a chance to steal the category here. Get the point. See, now I'm I'm down to two.
7: Um, Josh did a lot of the other teams on my list. (laughs) I am going to stick in division. I'm going to stay in the Big Ten West. Give me the fighting Levy Smiths of Illinois University. Mm, Dang it. Is it Illinois for the steal? Let's go. Oh, I got it.
0: 16 times Nebraska and Illinois have played
6: on the gridiron. Yep. So, well done, Austin. Yep. Was that, were they, Where were they at, Josh, on your list? I, I probably should have gone with them earlier. Honestly, my strategy to begin with was let's just go all teams from the west, but then I wouldn't have said Indiana either. So, I don't know. I, they were on my initial list, but then they kind of faded off after a little bit. Okay, very good. All right, Austin one for one with a
2: steal. Yeah. Josh did a lot of the legwork, but did. wins a win. All right, here we go. Question number 2. Name the top 6 active gold glove winners in Major League Baseball.
7: Austin. Austin. Yadier Molina. Yadi.
2: <laughs> he actually has the most, the most of yep. current Major League Baseball players with 9.
7: All right, I'll, I'll play this one. I will go with A1 himself, Alex Gordon.
2: Alex Gordon. He's got seven. How he many? He's number two. How many two. are we doing here? Six. Six. So you've ten? got four more. All right. And, and the re- and, and I'll tell you why there's six at the end.
7: How about Nolan Arenado?
2: How about Nolan Arenado? Man, he Impressive. and Gordo both tied with seven. seven.
7: Okay. Uh, let me think. So Arenado's got a lot of third base at the NL. There's an AL third baseman that I don't think has been around long enough to be on this list. So I'm not going to say that. Other side of the diamond. How about Freddie Freeman? Freddie Freeman.
2: No, sir. One MVP strike. Free.
7: No. Okay. So I'm halfway home. Let's see. He's tough. Well, Joey Votto won't, because he's a hitter. He doesn't really do a whole lot in the field, so I'm going to skip over him. Hmm. Freddy has one gold glove, by the way. I was thinking he had gotten at least one, but apparently it's just one. He does have at least one. That he does. Man, um, Andrelton Simmons. Andrelton Simmons, give me Simba. Ooh, oh, man, I thought that was uh, going to be on there. Great Good guess. Player. Good He's player.
2: got. Uh, should I tell him how much? I'll tell you. He's, He's got just four. Short.
7: Just short. Oh goodness. Okay. Man.
2: Yeah, I know. This My, is- I'll, I'll just tell you now. There, Five or more. Five or more, yeah. because there is a significant number with four. Gotcha. There were only six with at least five. Six, yep.
7: six active players with at least five. Okay. Well, I'm leaving the board open for a lot of potential steals if Josh has anyone in mind. So I got to get another one or two if I'm not going uh, to.
6: Two table. strikes. I do have yeah. two two uh, written down so far. So Care to share? No. <laughs> That's the way to do it,
0: Josh, is while yeah. the other guy's guessing, you're sitting there thinking. Coming up with your thinking, own. I know, yep. but if
6: I can't come up with anything, then it's, yeah, it might not be right.
0: That helped Austin in the I first question.
6: Austin, I feel like I'm going to be more, way more comfortable being the aggressor and going for <laughs> it, but Austin is obviously good at stealing, so maybe that's not the... <laughs> oh, man. Let's see.
7: Well, I would love to say Lorenzo Cain, but I don't think he has. I know he just got his first one. How about Kevin Kiermeyer? Hmm. Kevin Kiermeyer
2: of the Tampa Bay Rays. Ah! Mm. Good Chance guess for a steal. Great to get. Shoot, just
6: not. All right, Josh. All right, payback now. Payback well, time. Kevin Kiermaier was one of the names that I had written oh, down. Oh, really? Okay, I'm looking him up real quick just to just to make sure it's not a user
2: error. He is a three-time Gold Glover, not and a, he's won three. three since 2015. So they've been come role, real, r-
6: Yeah, they've been a lot lately. I, I Good know. Guess I'm, though. Yeah, I. This is really bugging me because I feel like there are so many guys I'm forgetting, and it's going yeah, ir- right? it's it's to irritate gonna what this hot seat me. does to your head. Yeah, it's going to really <laughs> irritate me when you tell me the three guys because I don't, I don't think this guy is on there, but I'm going to say his name anyway just because he's really good at baseball. Um, Mike Trout. Is it Mike Trout? Uh, oh. No. How about that? Let me give him a hint before we, we, you reveal him.
0: Three guys on this list have been a Kansas City Royal.
6: Oh, wow. You got Hosmer. Is Hosmer on there? Nope. nope.
2: Your other answers are Zach Granke with six. Yeah, I oh, That was the tricky yep. one. Okay. Yeah. Sal has five. Sal Perez has five. Oh, wow. Jason Hayward
6: of the Chicago Cubs I mean, never, has five. Yeah. Honestly, I'm not actually that mad that I didn't get many of those. those are, that's a hard question. I, I yeah. should have had yeah.
7: Sal. I forgot he had that many. Yeah. I thought he was Granke, more in I thought
2: you though. guys would slip up on. Well, but elim- Jay, Hay, Jay Hay and, and
6: uh, Perez, I, yeah. I, I yeah. could have seen you both. I eliminated. I eliminated pitchers. I eliminated pitchers early on, which I probably shouldn't have. There is picked.
0: a bunch with four. Yeah. All right, Josh, you got to get
6: going. Yeah, Austin's I know. up I'm, 2-0 here on this I don't thing. want to get swept, but it's not looking great right now. <laughs> yeah. All right, question number three.
0: With the Chiefs playing the Ravens Monday night, the game will pit the last two MVPs against each other in Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Can you name the five previous league oh, MVPs? Goodness. This is not including Mahomes Josh and Jackson. Josh. Josh. Uh, Drew Brees. Drew Brees. Mm. Austin, you can come in and grab the category here. I
7: can. I just have to get my NFL knowledge on point. NFL MVP. It's gone to a lot of quarterbacks. It's a quarterbacks league, especially with the Heisman in college football. We're talking NFL MVP. I hate saying his name, but how about Tom Brady?
0: Tom terrific. He won it in 2017, so he was the one before Mahomes. So you kay. gotta go Tom Brady gonna, now backwards. And, and you so have 17, to play.
7: 16, 15, 14, and 13. Yes. Correct. And yep. you have to play Correct. since
0: you were the second one to go.
7: Okay. Um Peyton Manning had a heck of a year with the Broncos. I'll I'll take my guy Peyton. Is it Peyton? Twenty thirteen.
2: Right?
7: Yep. Then not long after that was Cam Newton. How
2: about Cam Newton? <laughs> Twenty fifteen.
0: Okay. Man, ripping them off here is good.
7: Uh, (laughs) So far, this is where I start to run into a wall a little bit. I'm going to
0: get the reputation of giving you all the easy ones.
7: (laughs) Well, Ben's the softball pitcher for (laughs) uh, sell, sell, so you can can take that mantle for face-off if you want. Okay, J.J. Watt's been good, but not league MVP good. Same with Aaron Donald. I'm crossing those guys off.
0: No strikes. Yeah, three of three of the five, and no strikes. Drew
7: Brees is a quarterback off the list. Let's see. Stab in the dark, Ben Roethlisberger. Buzz me, it's wrong. Big but. Ben. Oh. No sir. Thankfully. Not, not against like him one. Not having one. Okay. Two more. Mike Kosicki
2: touchdown. Good for Ben's
7: fantasy team. Let's get it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> After Devontae Parker, had the first catch of the game for the Dolphins. Slightly less good, but. <laughs> NFL MVPs, back on topic. Let's see. Well, I ruled him out, but I have this gut feeling that, n- no, it wouldn't have been. Nope, not going to go back to it. Changed my mind, thought better of it. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Show me Matty Ice. Yep. 2016. 2016. All right, so I have 17, 16, 15, and 13, correct? Correct.
0: Yeah. Awesome. This is impressive. I know. Yeah, it is. (laughs) You've gotten Brady, Ryan, Newton, and Peyton. Yeah. Big Ben's your only strike. Right. So
6: 2014.
0: Josh is ready.
6: Honestly, I'm not. I've wrote down three of the four that he's said. And I'm I'm, I'm kind of on the same page as Austin, struggling to come up with other names. I I don't think he's elite, but how about Joe Flacco? How about Joe Flacco, (laughs) the Hall of Famer?
7: Oh, one strike left. With one guess, yeah. Yeah. Okay. No repeat winners in this time. No, so all, they are all they are all
2: different names. Yes. yes.
7: Oh, uh, Aaron Rodgers.
2: Discount double check for the win. Wow, you sweep the category.
0: You're up is Very
2: impressive, Austin. Yep. All
0: right, Take Josh. Some work. Pressure now. You, yeah, you okay? You got to get going here. All right. All
2: right. Hold on here. Let me fill out this document. This, this comes with the commission responsibilities. I'm just not used to all the work behind the scenes. <laughs> there is just don't say don't give away one of the answers. Then you I them. will. I'll <laughs> try not to. All right, boys. I'm excited about this question. Uh, fun fact, I got a, I would have gotten this question correct. All of them. So it shouldn't be that difficult. You did get the chance to look up the answers. Caveat did. I did. But I did know the answers beforehand. All right, here we go. No more delay. Name the last five SEC teams to win a national championship in
0: football. Josh. I think Ooh. it was Josh. Yeah, give it to Josh. Okay. I think it was Josh by just a hair. Just a
6: hair. Last five SEC teams to win a championship in football: Alabama, Alabama. <laughs> We're talking national championship, right? Yes. National championship, Division two thousand seventeen for the Crimson Tide. <laughs> LSU,
0: go Tigers.
6: Twenty nineteen, Joe Burrow. And we're not talking about repeats, right? We're correct. The These are all five, last different, five different
2: SEC teams. Yeah,
6: gotcha. And are they? They were a member of the SEC when they won it, or they yes, are currently a member of the SEC? Both. They were. Cur- they were an SEC team when they won it, and they're
2: an SEC team now. Got it. Um, let's go with Florida, Gator bait, Tim Tebow, two thousand eight. Urban Meyer. Aaron Hernandez. Yep.
7: Percy Harvin.
6: Yep.
2: The
7: um, Pouncy Twins.
6: Yeah, now we're gonna stretch back a little bit. Maybe, or maybe not. Um How about Georgia? Georgia? 1980
2: did. for Georgia. We're not going back quite that far. Right.
0: Okay. Um. One strike. You've got two to go. Yep. Auburn. Did Auburn win the football game? Cam Newton. They did. They beat 2010. The Florida State Seminoles. 2010. One to close it. Get on the board. Yeah. Um, hmm.
6: For some reason, I'm struggling to think of who it would be. Write them out. I know. That's why I, sh- I should have been doing that. I don't. I don't feel like I can write them when I'm when I'm actually playing. Here's a I tip. It was not
2: Mizzou. Sorry, right. Pat
6: Forty. <laughs> Good tip. I had already eliminated them. You've gotten
0: LSU, Alabama, Auburn, and Florida, and your one strike was Georgia.
6: Right. So I've said five teams. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. I've eliminated, like, four or five teams, which should mean that I'm down to the last couple, but...
2: Six or seven? Yeah. To save me
6: one. Yeah, we'll see.
0: This is like mine last week with the NBA champions. I know. Just I couldn't just, quite get them all. Right.
6: I'm struggling here. Um, I know this isn't right, but let's go with um, Ole Miss.
2: Ole Miss oh. is not the running ribs.
8: Hmm.
6: What about... No, it wouldn't be them either. I feel like I've eliminated all the teams in my head, and then there's probably one team that it is that's left that I'm not thinking of. Oh, man. Again, I don't think this is who it is, but because I don't want to sit here for too long. Let's go with uh, South Carolina. Is it the Gamecocks? Oh, boy. Austin, a chance a to steal ski-
7: and win. I answered this once before. Give me my boy Peyton in the Vols. Mm. Old Rocky Top.
0: Mm. 1998. Yep. For the win. Man. Austin, impressive. Josh, Josh,
6: I think you got as many questions (laughs) right as Austin. I just didn't. Yeah, Yeah. I just couldn't close out a category. And did you have Rocky Top on the list? No, there are ones that for whatever reason I just eliminated right away. I didn't even think of them, so that was on me.
0: That's just like last week with me and the Nuggets. I just couldn't. I couldn't
6: remember them. Yep, exactly. It's It's hard. It is tough. (laughs) Okay, what? Yeah, was it was it harder or easier than you thought it was going to be? I mean, it was as hard as I thought it was going to be. I knew it was going to be <laughs> difficult to think. I, I do way better on, like, multiple choice things. Like, if I right. have all the answers in front of me, I can usually pick out the right answer. But the gold
0: glove question was hard.
6: Yeah, that was tough. I, I thought. Yeah. I would have
2: gotten I, they were fair realistically oh, yeah. four, probably. I don't think I would have got Grinky. There's no way I would have got Grinky
0: if
6: I'm being honest with myself.
0: Well, you you got we had four questions you guys closed out three of them yeah. you got every
6: answer that's what I was gonna say it was questions. they were fair like we got a, you know that was that was they were fair questions so. we weren't just yeah.
7: rattling them off the top of our head took a, took some, took some work to get right. there but I was, now
2: know how you feel when you don't get to ask questions I'm kind of bummed we don't get to keep going I know well now <laughs> you have them for next week <laughs> we do that's right we got a couple in the can good job guys that was fun yeah we well done that. you both yeah. did well even though Austin swept Josh you got a lot of the answers right
0: yeah no that was really good. We're back Thursday night. Sports Island here on the Husker Sports Network. Glad you've dialed us up here tonight. Time for us now to listen in on the next, a little bit of the next edition of the Conversation with the Cooks. Lauren Cook interviewing her dad, head volleyball coach, John Cook.
5: Husker Nation wants to know what the heck you're writing down in your notebook during matches.
1: Uh, You know, well, I mean.
5: Is it an adult coloring book and you're just, (laughs) you know, when you get bored, you're just. Yeah, Color- it's like
1: dementia, just like dementia setting in. <laughs> no, I just think it's, uh, you know, it's statistics, it's notes, it's, uh, my goodness, what if the computer is shut down, everybody freaks out. If everybody's phone went down, they'd be all all besides themselves. I'm taking stats that if everything went down, it's not changing anything and what's going on with me. I've got all the information I need right there.
5: Smart man. All right. The other thing Husker Nation wants to know is what you two talk about before matches. Well,
1: during, you, know, warm ups. I, you know, I, you know, I always ask John about his family and how he's doing. And, you know, we talk, he talks about his hip and how's my knee and how's his hip. And, you know, I tell John, you know, stop jogging. That's how you hurt yourself. And, you know, I mean, we know it's, uh, you know, you stay, uh, you know, you try and keep your team healthy and you know, seeing a couple of weeks, good luck in the tournament. You know, that's it.
5: So nothing juicy, just a typical catch up.
1: Nah, uh, I mean, we don't, we don't have any, uh, we don't have any mutual things. I can't talk to John about, you know, after I found out that he really wasn't involved in that drug sting, there was really not much else we could talk about. <laughs> For a while I thought, man, I got a new connection here in, in Lincoln, but told me it really wasn't true. <laughs>
5: I forgot about that. We we need to talk about that on one of the next episodes. Um, all right. You two have both been around for a long time. Any plans to retire soon? Coach Rose, we heard you were retiring like five years ago, and, and here you're still here.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I told my wife that I was coming on this show, and I said, well, you know, if I said I, if I was going to announce my retirement, I should do it. I should do it on John John and Your Show because it'd get a lot more attention than if I did it here because <laughs> nobody would notice here. But uh you know I, I'm not naive enough to think I'm going to do it forever and I I'll have to be honest with you when I do it will be a it'll be a small ripple effect because uh you know I'm not going to I'm not going to do much fanfare with it it'll just happen and uh you know, I don't know if I'll be able to pull it off like Andy Manikowski did where he did it and then nobody can find him. But, uh, you know, I think volleyball's in great hands right now. There's a lot of great young coaches and, you know, the the programs around the country are really well supported. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, a lot of us have, have done a lot of things and, and put a lot of work in to make it better for other people. Yeah. Well, do I need to raise my hand, Lauren? No,
8: oh, you can
5: talk. You can talk. Yeah.
8: Um, you know, this COVID thing has is, is made me miss coaching a lot. And uh, so, I don't know, I kind of have a renewed fire uh, about coaching. and uh, But I agree with R- Coach Rose that, uh, you know, you don't do this forever. And I'm thinking about what else I want to do. And, uh, you know, if I get an invite to go play golf and smoke cigars on the beach in Florida, I might be be up for that.
5: By the way, I told Coach Rose that uh, you were, you're were you going to send him cigars for being on the podcast. That's his payment. Done deal. So we'll, we'll go. I don't really know how to shop for cigars, so we can go do that, and we'll send them your way, Coach Rose.
8: I already know where to go and how to get it done, Lauren, so it's there you sure. good.
5: Okay. Uh, one last question for both of you. Before we get to Coach Cook's favorite part, confession and lesson, Coach Rose, I hope you're prepared for that. But uh, what's the biggest lesson that, for, and again, this is for each of you that you guys have learned in all of your years of coaching?
1: No, I mean I don't know. I guess the 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 biggest lesson is it's the players' team that uh, you know it's never really about us. It's it's about them, and the sooner the sooner you can really get the players to understand that. Uh, the better off the program is going to be, but it but it really takes time to establish a culture and and get people to to really buy into to them caring about establishing something themselves.
8: Yeah, I think, Lauren, the biggest lesson I would have is that. Uh, you you can't ever sit still. You got to keep getting better. You got to keep learning. You got to keep growing. You got to keep looking at things. And, uh, you know, just like listening to Coach Rose talk about his adjustments for Pavin, Like, I'm not sure I would have thought of that for a player moving, switching positions. So, I mean, that's, that's a great point of, you know, trying to get better uh, and figure things out and not just stay status quo. And I think that's in coaching in general for young coaches, that's, that's the biggest lesson
0: oh what a treat this is going to be that's rush rose the longtime, highly successful volleyball coach at penn state joining this week this uh, month's edition of conversations with the cooks that podcast will drop in its entirety tomorrow if you want to go wherever you listen to and download your podcast that will be one you do not want to miss nothing good on tv anymore struggling to find something to watch
1: there's no crying in baseball!
0: Well, we've got you covered.
8: I'm going to make him an offer he with you. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my
1: close-up.
0: It's time now for Sports Nightly Flix Picks. And action! All right, let's see what everybody's been uh, viewing. Ben?
2: So, I'm three episodes into the show called The American Barbecue Showdown on Netflix. And... Essentially, this is a cooking competition. I think they start with eight. I'm pretty sure it's eight. Eight smokers around the the country. You've got some from California, Texas, of course, the Southeast, and they've got these different cooking challenges they have to do, all Mm. barbecue style. Don't watch it when you're hungry, because you're going to be really upset that you can't eat any of it. Um, But it's pretty good. I, I enjoy it so far, and you know, there's a whole bunch of different styles, and you know, for the for those that are food connoisseurs. It's a great little, great little show.
6: I didn't used to be a big food guy on TV, but now I can't get enough of that sort of thing, so I'll have to check that out. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Josh? All right. Uh, I started watching a mini um, series, TV series, um, and it's, I guess, a mini documentary series called Challenger, the Final Flight oh. Trailer, or Final Flight, and it's, it's about the Challenger explosion. Here's a, a little trailer of that.
3: We're on the cutting edge of technology and discovery. This coming January, a space shuttle will be launched carrying one of America's teachers. The shuttle flies like a commercial aircraft. Challenger, you are free to take off now.
2: The voice
0: came on the loudspeaker and said the vehicle has exploded.
6: So this is a Mm. four-part mini docu-series, and so I I only watched the first part, but it's got me pulled in, and I'll finish watching it uh, when I have time. But it's, it's interesting. I think that most people, you know, the majority of people out there know what it is, even though it happened before I was born. I still know quite a bit about it, but you know, getting a lot of interviews with people who were, you know, there that were a part of it is, is very interesting. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see where the rest of it goes. Cause this was kind of just a, the very beginning of it. The first like 10 minutes was just like, a, almost like a montage of like all the, like kind of, I don't know, just a lot of intense stuff, but then they they're going to go back and kind of go step by step of, of the different parts to it. So yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see the last three parts.
0: Yeah, Josh, you, you'll you'll get pulled into it. I know you, you like those type of things. And, and it's one of those events, and you guys aren't old enough to remember, but it's one of those events if you were alive, you remember exactly where you were. I was on a college campus, mm-hmm. and I remember a professor busting through the door going, the Challenger just exploded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. just, oh, my gosh. Josh,
2: I'm so glad you put that on there because it was one of those deals for my – wife and i were in bed and she was about out and i I really wanted to i I came across it and really 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 wanted to watch it but it was too late and so the first chance that we get to sit down and watch a show that is what we're watching so i'm glad glad you put that on it's
6: four parts and i think they're about an hour each so yeah you can kind of consume it in different in different parts too Good. Austin, anything?
7: Yeah, still going through Designated Survivor with my fiance when we have the chance to sit down and watch it. But mostly I'm just enjoying watching sports again. My uh, student free slash reduced Hulu and Spotify ran out a while ago. So I hadn't uh, had cable in my own room or anything. I finally sprung for it as I'm getting ready to move into a new apartment. So it's been great to just be able to sit back and come home from work, flip whatever game's on, and just sit there and enjoy it. So not a whole lot to. uh record or tell people to get into but i i have been enjoying that recently
0: very good all right I, my uh my wife and i are, have been watching schitt's creek we're on season four it cleaned up at the emmys the other night they've wrapped yeah. that show after six seasons they won everything in the comedy category we're in season four and just loving the show and i mentioned this last week i've now started season two of ozark for those of you who have seen it here's a refresher those of you who have not here's what it's going to sound like
6: another man is dead People make choices, Wendy.
1: We don't have to live under the weight of those decisions.
3: At least admit it was good for us. We passed upon the stair, Spoke wasn't where. Well. Although I wasn't there, said I was a sprint. We know that Marty Bird launders millions of dollars a year for the Navarro cartel.
2: What we need to know are the details of how he does it.
3: You do realize that you're betting everything on being able to pull this off. Yeah. Came as some surprise. Spoken to his eyes. You're a businessman. Thought you died alone. Not a killer.
0: Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed season 1 and and I'm a couple of episodes been into season 2 and so far it has not disappointed. Well, well, okay, so is there 3 seasons or 2? Yes, there've been 3. Okay, so we
2: yeah, we just I couldn't remember if there was 3 or 2. We we finished season 3. Season three takes a little while to get going, but once it all comes together, is great. But I do remember season two was just as good as season
0: one. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's a really good show, and it, it won a bunch of Emmys a couple years ago after it's season one. I don't think it's been quite as hot. Hollywood likes to kind of spread that thing around. Uh, but another really good show, and it's on Netflix. All right, good show tonight. Great to hear from the head football coach. Uh, always Teddy Greenstein comes with us on Thursday nights as well. And how much fun did we have on the faceoff? Love that tonight. Tomorrow night, we're going to wrap up our position breakdowns. We, we caught up with Sean Beckton, Husker tight ends coach, right before the August camp opened. Never got a chance to play the interview. We're going to do that tomorrow night grade out the tight end position here on Sports It. Thanks, everybody, for being a part of this one. Enjoy the rest of your night.